Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Before you sit down, just find a couple people close by and just say, I'm glad you're here today. It's good to see you. Hallelujah. How many are thankful Jesus is alive this morning? He's not in the grave. Praise God. Amen. Well, as you're being seated, I just want to hit that thing one more time. You know, I was thinking about that game in Buffalo. They're supposed to play today, but there's a major snowstorm coming through. So they postponed it till tomorrow. But imagine all the people that had to make all the changes from being off on Sunday. They've already spent all their money to get to that game. And now I guarantee you they're going to do whatever they got to do to get off work tomorrow and make that game. I guarantee you there's not going to be any less people in that game tomorrow than there was going to be today. Why am I saying that? Because we should never, ever, if we love Jesus, ever act like that for a sports team or a job or a vacation or anything and not be that way for Jesus. Y'all following what I'm trying to get at this morning? Amen. So we need to have that same devotion to the Lord. And you're saying, well, pastor, I'm here. What you talking about? Yeah, but that's great that we're here. I'm glad we're here. But I want us to think about our dedication this morning. Amen. How many glad you beat the, 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 count, the covers today? Decided to get out. Amen. It was a good day to stay home. The clouds are keeping the sun from coming out. But now you're here. So God's going to do something awesome. Amen. Well, I've got a great word, as Pastor Mario mentioned, that the Lord has given me for today. But before I, I preach, I've got an awesome video I want to show you. You know, if you're here, once again, I want to make sure the, the guests know for sure today that they're welcome. Let's give them another big hand. Well, whoever you are, we're not going to embarrass you. But if it's your first time, we hope that you feel welcome and acknowledged and that you come back. Amen. And we're your, we're your new family and get to know us. We love you. We're a welcoming church, a loving church. And I know there's d- different people who have in- even told me, I've got someone coming today. I've invited them, amen, from work. or That's what it's about, amen. Uh, but we are a plant- church planting fellowship. We reach means we go out and we evangelize. We, we tell people, see, this isn't a normal church. This is a church that has a mission. Amen. We're not a social club. Yeah. We have a mission. And our mission is to get more people to know about what Jesus did for us. We're in here today, and if you were to understand or know the criminal records in this place, the past records in this place, the DUIs in this place, the mess-ups in this place, the failures in this place, you'd be amazed. So you're in a good place. But Jesus came in, as Pastor Mario said, and redeemed us and set us free and changed us and transformed us. And now we're new creations. Amen. We're, we got a new life. So our goal now is to go out and let everybody know that our neighbors and our coworkers and our family can know what we know and know who we know, which is Jesus. And then we teach. So Wednesday nights, if you haven't been making Wednesday nights, make this Wednesday night. We're in the middle of a series that is so powerful and so needed in our lives. It's, it's going to check us. It's going to get a hold of us and see where we're at with God. And then the final one is sin. We've, we've sent out couples. We've, men and women who are a married couple together that will say, I'm willing to go and go to another city and start a church. And in the last few years, we've been able to plant many churches in the Metroplex here. And uh, as recent as one in Wichita Falls, which they'll be watching today after their service. It's funny, Pastor Dwayne, all of them watch our service. But he, he literally uh, sends me stuff like almost immediately after their service. It's like he's already watching. So we say hi. Let's do that this morning. Let's say hi to all of our churches that will be watching later as they watch the live stream recorded. Let's just give them a big hand of clap of, of thanks for being out there. Let them know we love them. All the different churches. And uh, one of our first ones to go out was South Dallas. Pastor John and Ceci. And uh, uh, Evan from our home church and Pastor Paul, that's his son, uh, sent him over here specifically I think a couple months ago to go do a video. And so it's so exciting to see. You're going to see their building and see what God is doing in South Dallas in our baby church that we sent from out of here. Amen.
my wife Sergi, my, my, my older daughter, Daniela, Gabriella, Gracie, and Nathan. We just want to say thank you. We love you guys. God bless you. Come on. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting? That's our church. Amen. That's, that came out of here. And uh, those four kids are miracles. They weren't supposed to have any kids. I mean, there's just so many miracles. God's got a miracle for you today. How many believe that? No matter what you're facing, God's got a miracle. Amen. I want to talk this morning right in the middle of the fast. Again, if you're a guest, we do a fast every year. And we're in a 31-day fast right now. And God is moving in our lives. And we're asking everyone to participate in any way that they can. And uh, I want to talk about the most important part about fasting, which is praying. Because we talked about in the beginning, if you fast and don't pray, you're on a diet. Lots of people diet. So fasting is praying while you're supposed to eat and disciplining yourself. And so God is doing amazing things. And I want to talk about the difference between a regular prayer and a Pentecostal prayer. A powerful prayer. How many would like your, if you pray, would like your prayer life to change? Would like your prayer life to be better? Well, if you'll listen to this message, by the time it's over, your prayer life will change. Even if you have a great prayer life, you'll have a greater one. Amen? Even if you, I like to do this, Texas, if you have a good one, you'll have a gooder one. Amen? It's going to get more better. Amen? So the power, I'll explain this a little bit, what that means, but the power of a Pentecostal prayer. You know, sometimes when people hear the word Pentecostal, they think somebody cussed. Maybe you were raised a certain way, raised in a certain denomination, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this. But I want to give you a few verses about prayer. And let me, let me explain what prayer is. Just I'm going to make, I, I give you a simple definition. When you worry, how many ever worry? When you worry, you're talking to yourself or to somebody about a situation you can't change. That's what worry is. Prayer is talking to God about a situation only he can change. See the difference? So are you going to worry or are you going to pray? Worrying will do you nothing but bring you stress and problems. But praying can change anything. Can somebody say anything? Praying can change anything. No matter what you're going through, prayer can change it today. So 1 Thessalonians, let me just give you some examples of prayer in the Bible, 16 to 18. says, rejoice always. And by the way, I know it's a little bit later, so you're a little bit more upbeat this morning. In the first service, they were a little bit dead. How many know he says rejoice always? That means all the time, good or bad. Your team's winning or losing. There's money in the bank or there's not. You're feeling good or not. Rejoice always. How many know whether it's cold or hot, we should still love Jesus the same? Come on, somebody, help me out. Our, our faith in God and Jesus shouldn't change with the weather. Amen? So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That means all the time. And in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Philippians 4.6. This goes right along with worrying. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything. Think about this. When was the last time you had a problem in your life and you finally prayed about it? How much time do we spend before we pray for something worrying about it, stressing over it, talking about it, talking to ourselves about it, again, talking to somebody else about it, when we should be talking to God, who's the only one that can change it? Amen. By, in everything, by prayer and supplication, isn't it interesting that that word thanksgiving's there again? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to your neighbor. That's not what it says, Right? To God. Your neighbor, tell the person next to you, your neighbor can't help you. Amen? Even your loved ones can't help you. God can. Ephesians 6, praying always. It's, it cracks me up when people say that the Bible contradicts. How, look at this. Look at all these verses. Thessalonians, Philippians, Ephesians, different cities, different places, different times. And they're always saying, they're all saying the same thing. Pray always. With prayer and supplication, and here's the key. If you got your Bible, if you got your highlighter, if it's on your phone, whatever it is, here's the next key three words. In the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. You know what that means? That means you can pray out of the Spirit. That means you can pray in the flesh. 
That means you, lots of people. How many of today, there are lots of people that pray? Lots of atheists pray. Everybody becomes a believer when they're in an accident. Everybody becomes a believer when you get some, some kind of news that there's cancer or something going on. Everybody all of a sudden starts talking to, to the higher power. All of a sudden. Amen? So you can pray in the flesh, but God wants us to pray in the Spirit. And that's the key. That's the difference between a regular prayer and a Pentecostal prayer. And I'll get into that in just a moment. And then it says, being watchful to the end. How many going to make it to the end? Are there anybody in here that's going to make it to the end? All the way to the end? Not just participate, but get all the way to the finish line? Come on, do I have any finishers in here this morning? Amen. We're going to make it all the way to the end. We're not going to stop. Many people have stopped. Many people have started, but haven't finished. We're going to finish with perseverance and supplication for the saints. In the Bible, the, the Bible lists over 650 times prayers. That's a lot. And the first mention of prayer ever was in Genesis 4.26. Cain had killed Abel. Life was starting. They were beginning to multiply. And it says this phrase, Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So how many can see the difference between the prayer of an atheist, the prayer of somebody who's in trouble, and just shouts out to the higher power that might be out there all of a sudden that they didn't believe in before, and calling on the name of the Lord, knowing the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us that the name of the Lord is Jesus. And in that name, every knee shall bow. And in that name, every tongue shall confess. And in that name, we can get to heaven this morning. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody's getting in except through me, but we know the name. How many can shout that name out this morning? Jesus. Amen? So we're praying in the name of Jesus. They began to call. Jesus himself prayed many, many times. Over 25 mentions of him praying in the Bible. Paul, the apostle, takes on the same, heart, the same torch and begins to pass it on to the churches. And he mentions prayer 41 times in the Bible. There's different ways we can pray. We can pray sitting down. We can pray standing up, the Bible mentions. There's kneeling on the ground. There's face down. There's hands up. How many know it doesn't matter what the position is as long as your posture and your spirit is right? God wants your heart, not your posture. Amen? So there's all kinds of different ways. And then you got the model prayer. The prayer that we should all pray every day, but not religiously. Our Father which art in heaven, how to be in Amen. But the, the model, hallowed be your name. Holy and lifted up and exalted be your name. Amen. Your kingdom come to this earth. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, provide for me today. Give me my daily bread. Lord, forgive me my debts as I forgive those who've trespassed against me. And then the last one says breakthrough and deliverance. Deliver me from my enemies. Amen. There's a power in prayer today to know who you are. Some of you are learning and some of you already know and some of you don't have a clue yet. But you're going to learn that you have power in prayer. That Jesus is listening. He's on your side. And the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. How many believe that this morning? When you're in trouble, do you want someone to pray for you that you don't even know if they pray? Or are you going to go find someone that you know is going to pray? When you really need something, do you know somebody that you can go to and you know they're going to seek God? They're going to pray. They're going to, they're going to, and when they pray, they're not going to say, oh, God. I, I just hope. I just come to you with a, with a little bit of hope that you could just possibly, somehow, Lord, touch this situation, God. Or do you want someone to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Father, I come to you today taking authority over this situation right now because I know who you are and I bind the spirit of cancer and I bind the spirit of pain and I bind the tormenting spirits in this person's mind. Lord, take them out of suicide. Take them out of what they're going through right now. Lord, change them. Transform them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Which one do you want? That's called fervent prayer. James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a person avails much. Effective, fervent prayer. How many want to get to a place where your prayer is meaningful? We know we got to pray, just like we know we need to eat, just like we know we need to go to work. 
But we need to get to a place where we have a powerful Pentecostal prayer life. Spirit-filled, filled with anointing, where when we begin to say, Heavenly Father, the demons begin to leave and get out of that place. How many want to have that kind of prayer life this morning? I, want, I got news for you. You can. We all can. And a praying church, oh, it moves the hand of God. There is no gate in hell, no demon of darkness, no spirit of wickedness that can come against a praying church. Amen. And so then it says there in that last verse, part of that verse says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. In the New Living Translation, if you don't understand that, it says it has great power and produces wonderful results. It has great power and it produces wonderful results. Some of you might be new to this gospel thing, to the word of God, to church. You haven't quite let yet learned that this is different than a social club. This is different than going to an AA meeting. This is different than showing up at an NA meeting. This is different than going and hanging out with some people who, who believe in God, but they don't know who he is. We are here connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have a direct line to him this morning, and we know who we are in Jesus and we know what Jesus has done and Jesus disarmed every principality and every power of darkness and so we can avail much we can see wonderful results how many this morning would like to see results from your prayers amen I don't even ask if you pray because everybody prays I meet so many people they don't even know the Lord I get I pray every day I get up and say oh thank you thank you God for this day lots of people pray but do you want results God can give us amazing results, and I'm going to show you how. Here's how would like, how many, let me just give me if five people want to know how, I'll preach it. All right, there we go. How many want to know how to have a powerful Pentecostal prayer life? Now, why I say that is because we are Pentecostals. But tell the person next to you, I don't care who they are, if they're, unless, as long as they're a believer, you are Pentecostal too. Tell them, come on. Come on, I'm looking around to see if you're doing it. Some of you said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Lutheran. You know, there's some people that got them all covered. You've seen names that are a mile long. Episcopalian, Lutheran, Presbyterian. They cover all the bases. There's no denominations in heaven. Why I say Pentecostal is because the church that we belong to, which is of Jesus Christ, was born on the day of Pentecost. That's why we're Pentecostals. Now, some of you have heard or were raised in different places where you got weird understanding of what that meant, but that doesn't change the fact that the church was born on the day of Pentecost. And we are simply teaching you today what Jesus taught us to teach. How many know that's the Bible? Do, would you agree with me today that there's a lot of off teachings? That there are a lot of people who have in, entered in their own thinking and their own ways and, and a lot, here's what I want you to understand, a lot of denominations and a lot of churches and a lot of preachers and a lot of Christians have changed this book and said themselves out loud, we don't believe that what God did in the, Old Test, in the New Testament in the book of Acts is for us today. That's what they'll say. Just recently, a new couple in our church had their parents here last week. I hadn't heard the word for years. I actually forgot what the word was, but it's the truth. They said, we used to be cessationists. Some of you are like, what in the world is a cessationist? That means that they believed that everything stopped in the book of Acts. So the healings, the power, the anointing, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, Praying in tongues, casting out demons, all those things that Jesus did are not for us today. That's the belief. Maybe you were raised that way and don't even know you're a cessationist. You don't know what your name was, but you is one. Amen? And today, God wants you to hear his word, and he wants your prayer life to change because you're going to understand what it means to have a Pentecostal power of prayer. So look with me at Acts chapter 1. Let me make sure we're here in the right place. Does everybody in here believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Does everybody believe that Jesus came out of the grave and defeated death? Does everybody believe that Jesus ascended into heaven? That he's at the right hand of the Father? That he's coming back soon? Okay, here's what Jesus did after he rose from the dead between that and going to heaven. He went and hung out with his disciples for 40 days. Acts chapter 1, look at this. Let's look at this. Verse 3. 
to whom he also presented himself alive. How many are thankful that we're not serving a dead God? If you're here this morning new, I want you to know something. There's only one. I want you to put your hand up with me like this. Not one team, not one person. There's only one person, God, ever in the history of the world who died and came back from the other side. And his name is Jesus. Just one. That's it. You know that, did you know that there's no other deity or God that has even claimed that? Hasn't even claimed it. People might say it, but only Jesus said it. So he came out. He's presenting himself to them alive, and, he, and he's talking about his, showing his suffering by infallible proofs, being seen by them. And most people don't know this. Jesus walked the earth for 40 days. They think he came out the cross, high-fived the disciples, and ascended into heaven. He was here for 40 days on this earth, daily eating with them and fellowshipping with them and spending time with them and speaking, look, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, real quick, before we go to the next verse, do you think that God only, Jesus only spoke to those people about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and today we don't need to know anything? Is that possible? That he would only tell the disciples about the things of the kingdom of God. And for the last 2,000 years, we're in the dark. Of course not. Look what it says in the next verse. And being assembled together with them, he said, if you would just go to prayer, if you would just talk among yourselves, if you would get a consensus about this, if you feel led, if you feel okay about it, if you decide you would like to do this, I would love for you to do this. Is that what it says? What does it say? He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. So we know the go in Matthew 28 is go, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, don't go until I give you what I need you to have. He said, I command you not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what? Wait for the promise from the Father, which you have heard not from Paul the Apostle, not from Peter the Apostle, not from Pastor Blake, not from some denomination. He says, which you have heard from, capital M, me. Jesus. Amen? Then it goes on to say, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to go through these next two verses quickly, but this is what the church does, people do, carnality does, intellect does. Jesus is trying to give them the Holy Ghost and power, and they, and they change the subject. Hey, um, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Change the subject. Verse 8, 7, sorry. Quickly, I'm going to be nice to you. It's not time for you to know the seasons. My father's put that in my authority. Verse 8, let me get back to what I was telling you. But you shall receive power. Did y'all notice those two verses? That's what the devil wants to do today. He wants to distract you. He doesn't want you to get this. He just wants you to be a believer, but he doesn't want you to be an overcoming believer. He wants you to do some things for God, but he doesn't want you to do everything God wants you to do. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, remember that word spirit, has come upon you. And you shall become witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There's something that happens when the power of the Holy Spirit falls on God's people. Our prayer life changes from us praying in our carnal minds to praying the mind of God. Now, watch this. Let's go to verse 12 of Acts chapter 1. So, you've heard me say this before, and you help out those that are new. How many people did Jesus appear to? Shout it out when he appeared. To, oh, what does the Bible say? How many people did he appear to before he went to heaven? Shout it out. 500. Over 500. Okay? Over 500. We're supposed to have more people shout with you. Let's try that again. How many? 500. Thank you. All right. How many went to the upper room? That's, yeah. Where's the other 380? They got lost between verse 9 and verse 12. They didn't go, right? So it says they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Somewhere on that journey, they went their own way. And when they'd entered, they went into the upper room. You've heard us say that before. And they were, and they were staying, where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Alphaeus, Simon, Judas, all the disciples, not Judas the traitor, all the disciples went into the upper room. And they continued with one accord. Stay with me here. They continued with one accord in what? Shout it out. 
Prayer and supplication. Has the Holy Spirit fallen yet? Are they praying? How are they praying? In the flesh. In the flesh. In the Spirit of God, in the, in the love of God, in the, in, in the only way they know, but they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Are you seeing that? So, but they're praying. But it hasn't happened yet, and then, some, then we're going to see when it happens. Verse 2, chapter 2, sorry, verse 1. All of a sudden, and it actually wasn't all of a sudden. How many days was it? Come on, help me out. How many days later? Come on, I preach this like four times a year. Ten days. After ten days of being there, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. This is why we're Pentecostals. Because the church started when the Holy Spirit fell. And when the Holy Spirit fell was on the day of Pentecost. So people aren't Pentecostals or Baptists or Methodists or all those different things out of the Bible. They're whatever that denomination said they were, and they made things up. And they, listen, God, I'm not talking bad about them. I'm just telling you, God don't have any denominations. He just has believers. Okay, but that happens, and I, thank God you went to some church. But the truth is, the church, the real church, the church, the body of Christ was born on Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit filled, and they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, now that suddenly was ten days later, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then, watch this, there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Somebody say fire. How many would like to have the fire of God in your life? Not the ice of God. You know, I've never seen anybody chase an ice truck. Ever. I see people chase fire trucks. When the fire truck is going through a neighborhood, everybody runs over there to see the fire. I've never seen anybody chase an ice truck. How many want the fire of God in your life? Amen? That fire sat on each of them. And watch what verse 4 says. And they were all filled with the holy what? What was that word earlier in Ephesians? In the Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, I ask you to anoint the next few minutes of your words not my words, but your words, because today, Lord, there's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit. There's something you want to do in our prayer lives. You're talking to people here today who can learn how to change and transform their situations through prayer. And I just pray you speak to them today. Anoint your word. And devil, you cannot lie and deceive these people and, and rob them of what God has for them. I command you to flee right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So. The Bible tells us that there is a baptism, the Bible says, of the Holy Spirit. John baptized in water, but not too many days from now you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire and power to do what? To be witnesses. So what I'm trying to tell you is the power of a Pentecostal prayer. What does that mean? The power of a Spirit-filled prayer. There is a difference between, you saw it, I'm not saying that that, that that prayer, the first prayer I made, can't have results. I'm talking about an authority. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about a fervency. I'm, it doesn't mean that everybody prays the same. It doesn't mean everybody has the same, we know everybody doesn't have the same uh, personality or the way, but I'm talking about in your spirit. There is a power that God wants you to have that comes from Him and not you. And one of the biggest obstacles to God moving in your life is your intellect, your mind, the way you think. Some of you think, well, I ain't got no intellect. Well, whatever you got, it's in the way. Amen. Your thinking, your mind, your questioning, you've got to get to a place where you, 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 did any of you see Jesus come out of the tomb? Did any of you see him ascend into heaven? We believe that. Why don't we believe the other part? Is anybody here? If you truly believe he came out of that grave and he ascended into heaven and he's coming back again, why don't you believe he sent his Holy Spirit? Why don't you believe that we need that to be witnesses? Why don't you believe that there's a difference between how I can pray in my flesh and in my mind and in my intellect and even my studying of the Bible and how I could pray if God's Spirit took over? Now, I want to tell you something very interesting, very powerful. With this, I believe that right here in the middle of this message, this is going to help somebody. 
Because we know that we believe by faith and we don't need anything else. Faith is what saves us. But there's something wonderful about when science proves faith. And now as we, as we get closer to the return of Jesus and we had all this technology come into our lives, more and more science has proven God's word to be true. So some of you have heard this story, but I have an added story to it, which is really cool. But I'll tell the first part first. About 15, 16 years ago, they did a, a story on Dateline or Nightline, one of those old shows, night shows. And it was pretty old. And it, the reason they don't do it today is because they wouldn't do this today. They wouldn't let, because in this thing, they're interviewing some people who are speaking in tongues. They wouldn't put that on TV today because of the way our, our world has become. But they did this interview with these people, these Christians, these pastors who were speaking in tongues, and they wanted to study the whole phenomenon of speaking in tongues. And so they did a study with these people, and they connected things to their head, and they did brain scans. And what they did was they had these people talk and pray normal prayers with intellect, words, English, and just pray. And as they're praying, their brain's being scanned, and the frontal lobes of their brain are moving because they're using their brain to talk, to pray. Okay, so they are praying to God, but they're using their mind. Does that make sense? And they take the same people, and they start praying in tongues. Obviously, there were people who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They begin to pray in tongues. They put them in the brain scan, and the lobes don't move. What does that tell you? That tells you that when you pray in the Spirit, it's not you praying, it's God. Because the frontal lobes weren't moving. Does everybody get that? That's supernatural. That's what being baptized in the Holy Spirit is. It's supernatural. It's not natural. It's, it's supernatural. It's beyond your own intellect. It's beyond your own understanding. It's amazing. So I had told that many times over the years when I've preached on prayer and baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But there's two new things that they found. The University of Virginia and the University of Pennsylvania did another study. Now listen, all y'all can go look at this later. Please don't look at it now. Please trust me enough to know that I'm telling you the truth. And then go look at it so you can stay focused. The New York Times, how many know that's a very liberal newspaper? The New York Times did an article in 2006 on, uh, and I don't know why I had never heard this, I thought, but it's cool that I found it. On University of Pennsylvania, University of Virginia, they took a thousand people praying in tongues and did a study on them. You know studies take a while. And as they studied them out, they came to this conclusion. The doctors, this is in the New York Times, it's not my words, but they came to the conclusion that the people who spoke in tongues on a regular basis did not have mental problems. 1,000 people. That's a good sample size. They did not, because see, listen, you cannot pray to the devil or live for the devil and pray to God at the same time. You cannot be possessed by the devil and by God at the same time. If you're praying in the spirit, you cannot do carnal things. When I mean the real spirit. Not your flesh spirit. Not your fake spirit. Amen? And so they said those thousand people don't have mental problems. There's no, there's no mental problems there. And then the other one was amazing too. Really amazing. Another doctor who actually was a Christian. That doesn't make it any more valid. He was also a doctor. He did a study. And he found out with those same amount of people that when they prayed in tongues, and again, it wasn't like they prayed once or they prayed twice, but they had a daily prayer life. As they prayed, they noticed that the, there was some, listen to this, something released from their brain as they were praying in tongues that had to do with the immune system. And those that prayed in tongues continually and, 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 and ritually and on a daily basis had 35 to 40% stronger immune systems. Think about it. So not only is God giving us something that is great for our spirit, it's giving us something that's great for our mental problems and our physical problems. Isn't that amazing? Now look what Romans 8 says that just totally confirms what the doctors said. Because what God's word says will always beat the doctors or be confirmed by the doctors. Likewise, the what? Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. I have been reading that for 30 years and believing that and knowing that, but now it's not just a, a spiritual weakness. It's a physical weakness too. How many need, well, I'm not going to say how I know you do. How many need more of an immune system? We got people that are sick all the time. We need to pray in tongues more. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues and you won't get sick so much. Come on. Don't stop shouting me down. How many don't want to have mental problems? 
Y'all just meant, admitted you had them. Just kidding. <laughs> and we don't ever want to have mental problems. Amen. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Watch this. For we do not know what we should pray. Have you ever been trying to pray for something and you, st- you have no more words? You don't even know what to, what, what do I pray, Lord? Let the Holy Spirit take over. For we not know no, what we ought to pray, but the, watch this. The Spirit himself, the third part of the Trinity, God the Spirit, Holy Spirit, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered or understood. That's what praying in tongues is. Groanings that cannot be uttered or understood. We don't pray in tongues to sound good for someone else in the church. We pray in tongues to talk to God. Because it's a prayer language. It's powerful. It's supernatural. It's amazing. And it says now he searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the what? Not the mind of your flesh, but the mind of your spirit is. And as he knows that, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful? That God would allow us to... See, you can have a direct line to God. You can have a great relationship with God. But when you add it to to it, praying in the Spirit, you literally have a direct, direct line to the Spirit, your Spirit to God's Spirit. And nobody understands it except God. You don't even understand it. You're praying, and you don't even know what you're praying, but you're praying in the Spirit, and you're being obedient. Now, this is a powerful thing. Acts chapter 2, I'm closing, verse 38. They, they were cut to the heart as Peter's preaching. He says, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is something that's happened now in the upper room. And, and the, the question is, church, of these people who, who don't believe that it's for today. The problem is, is to this day, I, I like to use this little meme or gif or however you say it, of a skeleton doing this on a table waiting for someone to give me the verses. Can you picture me as a skeleton right now? Waiting for someone to bring me the verses. To show me that this is not for today. I'm still waiting. No one's ever done it. Yet they have all these people who believe that it stopped. Yet Peter said, this promise, go back one verse for a second please. What did he say at the end of that verse? He says, repent and be baptized and then, and then, so you have to be saved first. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is what they got in the upper room. And then look what he says. For the promise, what's the promise? The Holy Spirit is to you and to your children, and that's it. Once your children die, there's no more Holy Spirit. Is that what he says? Yeah, it does. I must be reading it wrong. They must be reading it wrong. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Till the end of time. The Holy Spirit is available for those who want it. How many will call on him today? How many will call on him today and say, I want everything you have for me, Lord? Supernatural power beyond our intellect. Peter goes into the out. Is there something about when you pray, something happens. When you go into the Peter and John are going into, or James are going into the hour of prayer. And they see a, break, a beggar asking for money and he can't, he can't move. And he's saying, help me. I need food. I, I, I can't move. And Peter says, I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And that beggar got up and walked. We don't have any power in ourselves, but what we have is the power of the Holy Spirit. And as the musicians are coming, listen to this. Acts 4.31, watch this. When they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Some of us need to be shaken this morning. Some of us need to be shook. Some of us need some things knocked out of our lives, some, some problems, some carnality, some idolatry, some mental things. We need, them not, we need to be shook. 
God wants to shake us this morning. Not me want to shake you. God wants to shake us. Shake off anything that's not supposed to be there. And it says, as the walls began to shake, I'm still waiting. I'm always looking to see if the walls would shake a little bit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Every time you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it brings boldness. Well, Pastor, I think I'm a pretty good witness without the Holy Spirit. Well, imagine what you'd be with it. Imagine if you took yourself to another level. But see, I'm not talking today. This, by the way, I should have said this earlier. This message isn't just for anybody. It's for someone who wants to take their prayer level to another level. It's for somebody who wants to be an overcomer. It's for somebody who wants to see results from their prayers. It's for somebody who wants to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. For somebody who's sick and tired of going through the motions and playing church and trying church and trying to be good on the outside, but you're missing something. You know you're missing something, and I'll tell you what it is. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So you see, all through the New Testament, you go into the Corinthians and Galatians. I already read Galatians and Ephesians, right, about prayer and about the Holy Spirit being there. Pray in the Spirit. And you go all the way to the end of the Bible in Jude, which is the last book before Revelation. One chapter. Just a set of verses, no chapters. And it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. So today, who I'm talking to is someone who wants to build their prayer life up. It says, building up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what takes you to another level, is when you stop praying in your flesh and you start praying in the Holy Spirit. As you bow your heads this morning and close your eyes and stay in reverence to God, how many all over this place, because maybe you're saying, man, I want that spirit, I want that fullness, I want that power, I want God to use me, but maybe you're here and you have not been saved, you have not given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to the Lord and today you don't know where you'd spend eternity because eternity is just around the corner for everyone. Tomorrow is not promised. You know the day we're born, your countdown starts to the day you're going to die. I don't say that to be mean. I don't say that to be grim. It's the truth. Every day we live, we're one closer to eternity. One day closer to eternity. One day closer to being in the presence of God. Listen, every one of us here say, oh, we're all going to go to heaven. Yes, we're all going to go in the presence of God for a moment. We're either going to stand before him as a judge or we're going to stand before him as a savior. Today, you can stand before Jesus as your savior. All you got to do is believe. Some of you already told me, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. Now you need to just say, Lord, I give you my life this morning. I surrender my life to you this morning. How many all over this place, from front to back and side to side, honest hearts, those watching online, listening on the podcast, could say today, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Would you just lift up your hand? I've never been born again. I've never changed. I see your hand. How many more? I want to be changed. I want to be saved. I want, I want God to change my life. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more today? I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? Today's my day. I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you to become a member of this church. I'm not asking you to do anything else than to believe that God loves you and he took your place on the cross and he's died for your sins. You, you must understand and know that you're not perfect. Know that you make mistakes. Know that someday you're going to die. What are you going to say when you stand before a holy God? When he asks, what have you done with your life? And you start to say, well, I, I did this and I did that and I did this and that. And he says, well, what about all the bad things you did? The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. That we all fall short of the glory of God. But it also says in that same verse, but the gift of God is eternal life. He looked over at that thief on that cross. And that thief looked back at Jesus and he had a revelation. He said, this is God. And he said, Jesus, would you remember me today? He basically said, I believe you're God. And Jesus looked back to him. He said, he didn't say, have you been baptized in water? Have you gone to church? Have you read your Bible? Have you given an offering? You know what he said? Today you'll be with me in paradise. How many more? Just five more seconds. I don't want one person to leave this place today 
not knowing where you'll spend eternity. Today you can know. And if you're not raising your hand, then I have to trust you know Jesus today. And that's good. We're glad you do. How many more? I I don't know them, but I want to today. Just put it up and put it down. I see your hand. God bless you. Now, let's just all stand this morning just for a moment. Let's just stay in this attitude of respect and honor to the Lord. I want you to know how much God loves you this morning. He loves you. Y'all believe that? He loves us more than we'll ever understand. Many hands went up. I want to do one more thing. I want to ask you how serious you are about that decision. Is it a decision you're just making right now? Because right now the Holy Spirit is is tugging at your heart. You're you're in the presence of God. You're in the presence of this church, and we're here worshiping God. What you feel right now is because God's here. And and the Bible says Jesus just knocked on the door of your heart. And now he says, I want to come in, and I want to dine with you. In other words, I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. He loves you more than you'll ever know. He wants to show you that. But you have to say, come on in. You have to open yourself up. So you raised your hand, and that's awesome. And God saw it. But I believe there's a step that you can make that says, God, not only do I want you to know that I believe in you, but I want everybody in this room to know that that I believe in you. And I want everybody in this world to know that I believe in you. I want to confess that I believe in you before man. If you would just do one more thing, if you raised your hand, there's an aisle near you all over this place. Many hands went up. Would you just, if you're serious, would you just step out and come down here this morning with me and let me pray with you? Just quickly, just step out. Come on, if you raised your hands, come on. Just step out. Don't wait for somebody else. Come on, they're coming. Hallelujah. How many more? How many more? I saw a few more hands. I honestly don't remember where they were, but I saw a few. Come on, church. This is, this is what it's about. How many more? Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're still back there. Maybe you're online. We're going to pray. Something's, some, something's holding you. I want people to think this or that of me. Who cares what people think about you? Care what God thinks. He showed his love. He didn't just say he loved his disciples. He spread his arms out and died on a horrible cross. Naked, beaten, the Bible says not even recognizable. And the crazy thing is, is he did that for people who would reject him and never even care. Isn't that amazing? And he would do it again. The least we can do is say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. All around this place, what you're doing right now by coming forward, we've all done. We've all done it. I I want to do it every Sunday. I wish I could get the microphone at the Buffalo Bills game tomorrow. I'd go out there with no shirt on, (laughs) preach the gospel if I had, if that's what it took. (laughs) Amen. Whatever it takes, let the world know, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Today, your lives are going to change forever. What you do with the decision you're making is on you, but Jesus is going to change your life right now. Because when he died on that cross, he died for you specifically. He, the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows everything about us. He knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. And he loves you more than my words could ever express. Across this congregation and those watching online, listening on the podcast, someone might be watching in six months from now. Let's say this prayer today from our hearts. Lord Jesus, this is a moment in time that is transforming lives. My eyes are opening and I am coming from darkness to light. From the kingdom of darkness and Satan to the kingdom of God. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That you died on the cross for my sins and you took my place. And not only did you die, but you came out of the grave. And you're the only one who's ever done that. That's why you're the way, the truth, and the life. You're the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in you, though he were dead, he shall live. Come in, Lord. Change me and transform me. Make me a new person. From this day forward, I repent of my sins, and I ask you to wash me and cleanse me with your precious blood. Please write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.